How many of you already had dinner? Just as I suspected. All right, it's going to be tough, but we're going to do it. There are going to be three points in this sermon where I'm going to have you close your eyes, even though it's dark out, you've already had dinner, there's the danger that you will drift off to sleep, but you will not do it. You are going to stay with it, it's possible. But before we do any of that, we have to start this Lent with where last Lent started, so where, or where last Lent ended. And where last Lent ended was with the appeal for the Tooth Fairy Fund. Each Lent, we do a special appeal for one of our partners. This was for the Bread of Healing Clinic in downtown Milwaukee. Um, we're often struck in El Salvador how people won't smile because they have decaying teeth, missing teeth, um, uh, um, bad teeth. And, and people are ashamed of that. Well, that happens in, in this place, too. Teeth really make a difference to kind of your self-image and how you present yourself. So the whole idea of the Tooth Fairy Fund is that dental is really hard to access uh, if you are a low-income person. And so the, the funds that we donated went uh, to help people who had various uh, dental needs at the Bread of Healing Clinic. Uh, there are their stats for the whole dental part of the clinic last year. Not all of this was paid for by the Tooth Fairy Fund, but all of those crowns and nearly all of those partials, or many of those partials and dentals, dentures were paid for out of that, as well as a few of the extractions. And there's still money left, and so more of that will continue in 2020. But uh, one picture is worth a thousand statistics, correct? So now, sadly, you can't see this super well, but if you're fairly close, this is Kathy. Uh, this is before her bridge. She's missing a couple of teeth right in the, the middle of her smile, but she was willing to smile for this picture before. And unfortunately, at the point this was taken, unemployed. And then here's the after. Uh, after her bridge is in, a perfect smile, great energy, and the energy to go uh, smile at an interview and fully employed uh, two weeks after this all took place. It's the good news, people of God. The good news, it's, it's about our souls and our spirits, but it's about our bodies too sometimes. It's about something as simple but really as important to each of us as the ability just to smile. That's last Lent. On to this Lent. So each time I have you close your eyes, you're going to use your imagination. Each time you're going to be on a steep slope but each time the slope that you're on will be a little bit different. Close your eyes. The first slope you find yourself on is next to a lake. It is a calm day, just a little breeze. You can hear the water. It's a steep slope. You're up a ways. It's grassy and you can smell the grass. Grass has a great smell, right? And you are actually 2,000 years back, and you are in the wonderful position of being able to sit beside the Sea of Galilee and listen to Jesus deliver the Sermon on the Mount. And he's gotten to the port that we just read uh, a couple of minutes ago. And, and as you look at him, you can actually see his eyes, and his eyes now are a little distracted. He is in a distant place even as he talks. Because this is Jesus. And perhaps he has already moved ahead. He's, he's just said the part about giving alms. And alms is the, the specific offering given to help the poor in Jesus' time. But he's already jumped ahead in his mind. And he's into Holy Week. And he's already overturned the tables of the money changers. Those who exploit the poor in the temple. Who have caused it to be less of a house of prayer. And, and now he's back in that same place on Holy Week, 
And he's watching a very universal human experience, which is that some people come to the alms box and they drop in their many coins out of their great abundance and are proud to be seen in so doing. But now use your ears too, because you really can't even hear the poor widow and the two coins so small that she drops in. No one else would would have noticed if Jesus had not. But he notices and speaks in a voice loud enough to draw attention to those who should have known better and gentle enough to make sure the woman knows that she is not being called out but deeply respected. And he points out that she had given more than any of them. She had given all that she had to live on that day. But see, she gives not out of scarcity, but out of abundance, because undoubtedly there had been days when she'd had nothing at the end of the day. But this day she had two coins, and she understood there were people worse off than herself, and so she was empowered actually to give, empowered to change something that she herself had experienced. Open your eyes. You got to see an amazing thing on that grassy slope. And you got to see maybe the purpose of these 40 days. People often wonder, what, what, what do I do with Lent? How is it different? I mean, in many respects, Jesus couldn't have made it more obvious or simple for us in today's gospel lesson. What, what a great time, these 40 days and the six Sundays that are a part of it. What a great time to give alms. In other words, to give money, to give time, to give attention to the poor of our world and and the frightful things that that add to or create so much of their circumstance. And not just the poor. I mean, all the people who are addicted, all the people who have too much and, and want even more, all the people who grieve, all the people who are sick, all the people who are alone, There are so many people for whom the offering of our substance, our our time, our energy would be an extraordinary gift, even just the capacity to smile again, to give alms, to pray. Prayer gets us outside of ourselves. It connects us to a God and reminds us to say thank you. And, And it causes us to recognize that perhaps in the midst of this all, we too are prayed for. And to fast. Our culture is terrible at fasting. How is it that we turned giving up uh, meat for Lent and so you'd have like fish on Fridays? How did we manage to turn that into the Wisconsin fish fry? I mean, just, just like this orgy of calories, which I love as well. But I mean, we're, we're terrible at it. And, and the thing is, we've, we're not doing it this year, but the last couple of years we've had a fasting group here. Any of you could do this for a day. I mean, just, just don't eat for the day. And it will initially seem like a struggle, and you'll be kind of compulsive about thinking, well, I've got to eat. And we're fortunate because we have enough, and we don't have to eat for a day. And by the time you get to the end of the day, you've had a little lesson in not immediate self-gratification, and you've had a little lesson in how we probably eat too much anyway. And you've had a little lesson in the success 
that comes when you decide to say no. 46 days. Pray. Give alms. Fast. Close your eyes. You're back on a slope. This one isn't grassy, though. This one's steep. It's mostly dirt and rocks. The big rocks, though, have been taken to make the streets of the city or the water tower in the city. You now find yourself in a place that maybe 100 people from this congregation have been to, to a place called Rutilio Grande in El Salvador. And, and what you're doing is you're watching a, a kid about an eight-year-old boy. This is about 10 years ago that you're doing this. And this boy is dressed in his school uniform, so he's got black shoes on and navy blue trousers and, and, a, and a blue shirt. And it's all dirty and kind of beat up. And it's not because he's poor, though he is poor. But it, it, it's because he's Raul. And, and as you watch him, the very first thing you're tempted to say to Raul is, don't do that, Raul! Because he's about to do a backflip off the top of the steep slope that you're looking up. But he does it anyway. And he sticks it perfectly. And you become aware fairly quickly that though you yourself would be hospitalized if you did that same maneuver, Raul could do it over and over again. It's just part of life for him. It's his playground, after all. Open your eyes. So we're building this playground over at the Christ the King campus as a part of that project. Isn't it interesting in our culture, the Hornarablers did this too. This was like the first thing we did when we moved here. But, but we build playgrounds in our backyards for kids. But if your experience of that is kind of like ours, they never play on it <laughs> unless friends come over. And for sure, my boys, and maybe your kids too, spent way, way more time playing on playgrounds at school or in parks. In other words, a playground is a shared experience, and it works a little bit better if it's grass and not concrete, if it's got safe stuff to climb on. So our, our Lenten offering for this year is to build something that Rutilio Grande doesn't have, but it should have. It should have a kind of a parky place, and it should have a safe playground that all the kids who live there uh, can play on. And I don't know if we'll have a response as awesome as last year's, but we'll do a good job. We'll do a good job. It's not just kids who need to play, you know? Not that, that you should all immediately go down the slide, but, uh, nor should I. Uh, but isn't there something as an adult to, to be there when kids are playing, to hear that sound and, and to see uh, their joy and, and to recognize for that little period of time they still don't have to be adults in this very adult world of ours. It's a blessed place to be. Close your eyes. And now, before you go on to the slope, just be there in this moment and kind of recognize the struggle that is listening to Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. People always kind of take it literally, and you can't. He's exaggerating about everything. When he says you, you should fast and you should pray and you should um, give your alms in secret, he doesn't actually mean that. I mean, the Lord's Prayer, which is in the middle of all this, is in the plural. Uh, everything about this is a, is a collective experience, not done in isolation. 
But if you pray or if you give or if you fast and you do it for your own, for your own benefit or your own agenda, that serves no, no larger good ultimately. When you do it because you can and because someone else needs it and because it spontaneously is the essence of who you are, a blessed person able to, to, to walk with someone else and bless them, then it's a power unlike any other. And so now you're on a slope. Because see, faith isn't a, a private thing. It's what we do together for the public good and the slope you're on right now is, is an interesting one. It's steep and it's rocky, but there's some moss growing there, so picture how green that moss is. But mostly notice how totally black your feet are. And now I've taken you to another place that a lot of you have been to. We're in the, the Boundary Waters in, in northern Minnesota. and It's six years ago, and you're traveling with a group that has gone through a full day of rain and now you're on the slope and the water is perfectly calm and the sky is totally gray. It's as if it will start raining in a second. And you're on Jasper Lake, all of which burned a few years before in a massive forest fire. And so the blackness on your feet is as the ashes turn to kind of dirt and clay by a couple of years of rain. And yet there's that moss. And next to all of those burned stumps and trunks is the beginnings of new life. Open your eyes. But stay on that peninsula in Isle Royale. You know, on all these trips over the years that I've gone on, as an adult, you just remember all these mistakes that you make. But one of the, one of the rare things I, I did right was that particular trip with that particular group. Um, uh, they were young and inexperienced, and, and the weather was terrible, and everyone had told them how awesome the boundary waters would be. <laughs> and they were like, what? This stinks. This stinks. And it was really tempting to tell them, well, if we just keep paddling, we'll get to a pretty part. And one of these days, the sun will come out. But for a change, I didn't say anything, which was the right thing. Because isn't it true, we are, we are so in a hurry to fast forward through the difficult things. And we are so in a hurry to fill our stories in for someone else's story. And therefore, they never get to tell theirs, nor do we hear them. When you are a prayerful person, it also means you are more capable of listening to someone else, which allows their experience to be respected and meaningful and powerful. It's the season of Lent. What will you do with 40 days and six Sundays? 
Give alms. Pray. Fast. And look down. Amidst all the ashes. Still to be beheld. Is the greenness of God's amazing growth done.